Hey devs, you're tuning into the debug log number 70. So uh, this episode is a little different than how we usually do episodes. Uh, it's more of a, a roundtable about our progress on our perspective or respective projects. So I go into what I'm working on. Andrew and Zach go into the game that they're working on. Uh, they drop some some cool little tidbits of you know some of the challenges and some of the successes they're having with their game and their company, uh, their newly launched company. And Eduardo also touches on his uh, a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, that's what we get in. It's more of just a status update. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, so without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 70. I'm surprised, oh, Andrew, 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 before we finish, do you know what I'm learning now? I don't know. <laughs> guess, guess, guess. Skiing? Piano? No! I'm learning how to type without looking at the keyboard. There you oh, go, wow. guys. That's, <laughs> I think that's, 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 that's Zach yeah, the in the door. The other day, Andrew was saying <laughs> that um, Alex, um, his daughter, was learning how to type. And I was like, oh my goodness. She cannot that's learn a, before me. That's what I told <laughs> Zach and Eduardo. I was like, guys, she's learning how to touch type right now. If she learns before you guys do, then I'm going to blow my shit. She's already farther along than I am. <laughs> Listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name is Obino Oparam. I'm Andrew Curry. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Eduardo Castillo Fernandez. And Ryan is not with us for reasons <laughs> unknown. Loser. Actually, I know the reason. It's not a good reason. So give him shit next time you see him. Uh, <laughs> so this episode is actually uh, it's more of our, I guess, more loose, more generic. And we're just going to talk about. I think we've talked about it before about how we wanted to address some of our. Or talk about just the projects we're working on it and try to, I don't know, hopefully inspire you guys or kind of share in our woes with you guys about the issues that we're encountering so that you may be encountering the same thing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but before we get started, I want to read a quick iTunes review. And this one's coming from from Lions uh, with the title, I'm Hooked. Really enjoy listening to the debug log when I'm not coding. The conversation is always good and helps me stay in a productive state of mind. And that's it. So thank you very much awesome. from Lions for thank that you, uh, excellent review, five-star review, uh, just letting us know that we help you keep, uh, you know, stay in productive mind, state of mind. I think that's kind of what we're going to touch on a little bit in the episode as well, is just like how to stay productive, how to stay motivated, and how we're going, you know, about that process uh, with the games that we're working on individually. Oh, you know, one second before we continue. I also want to thank uh, not only the guys from Patreon who help us support the, the show, but to all of the debuggers who, um, you know, um, participated in the in the um, post that we did on the debug lounge, uh, we like asking you guys what type of episodes you want us to to make. Yes. And yeah, like the winner is technical episodes. So thank you very much for, our, for your participation. Our next episode was technical. Look at that service. Yeah, look at that service. Immediate <laughs> results. <laughs> uh, this one, not so much. But this one, I guess, is, I think it was still high up on the polling. So, so yeah, again, thank you for, you know, putting your feedback out there because we're definitely listening to it and we're going to try to integrate that into our everyday episode or episodes that we do. Um, so without further ado, let's jump into it and talk about project progress. Um should I go first or does anybody else want to? Yeah, wanna... sure. Go ahead. Okay. Go for it. Cool, cool. Well, I know, I think even even in our um, 
our New Year's resolution, I, I mentioned that we definitely wanted to get out, get our game out. And I think we're definitely hitting strides now. We're actually working really well and really fast towards that goal of trying to get something out. And is alpha. this your, uh, sorry, is this your, uh, the game you're working on at work or the, your private game? No, no, I'm not going to, I would never talk about the, well, <laughs> it's kind of confusing, but I would never talk yeah. about my work, work game. Okay. This is my personal game. This is, um, I'm going to call it quote unquote code, uh, code name Warpath is the name of our game. Uh, but, um, so yeah, that's the game I'm working on. It's, uh, you know, MMO FPS, uh, well, actually, that's actually a good conversation to start because prior previously, and I think I mentioned on the show, it was kind of the survival MMO FPS. Uh, we've actually hit a time or a point where in our progress or our production where or development where we had to kind of shift gears on how we were approaching this game. Uh, we knew that MMOs and FPSs of, or, or MMOs in general were just super huge endeavors to take on, even as uh, you know, a group of really talented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being bashful, I guess. Not being bashful, but you know, all shucks. Yeah, all shucks. <laughs> but like of uh, talented individuals, you know, people have, uh, you know, game developers, game professionals uh, for years. Uh, it's still a, a hard endeavor as an indie uh, to try to create an MMO. Uh, and even though we kept telling ourselves that, we still, you know, push forward, uh, push towards that. Uh, so what we did was, I think it was about it's almost a month from now, or uh, yeah, a month for, uh, from now. No, a month ago. Ago. <laughs> there you go. English. Thank you, my friend. Uh, but yeah, a month ago, we we decided to make a switch from that you know super huge scope, hugely, hugely bigly scoped, tremendously scoped, bigly scoped. <laughs> <laughs> tremendously scoped MMO project Tremendous to something scope. to something just more uh, catered to, I guess, our time constraints, our uh, what we wanted to get out uh, of the game, and just decided to just do a multiplayer you know, survival still, you know, still a lot of the same concepts apply and the systems that we wanted to get in still apply, but we wanted to start with something much more bite-sized and something that we can, you know, see ourselves getting in and getting done, you know, within a year. Uh, so I mean, I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to say I'm an asshole and I don't mean it this way. You're just, an asshole. Already. I just want to provide yeah, a little background asshole. for these people when you, talk, when you talk about the planning and then changing and how long have you guys been working on this game? We've been working on this game for a long time. It's been, you know, I'm actually in, not embarrassed, but I'm, I'm don't really want to. Well, I think say it's the, helpful to say because the people might. That's be on a true. Project, that's true. It it's seems... been a long time. It's been f- over five years. Um, and, there you go. It and, wasn't oh, that hard. Yeah, but I mean, it's been more than five years, even because because it was a different game. It was a different game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh. game has gotten over so many iterations, so many design shifts. Um, and it's a group of guys you work with like remotely. Yeah, and, and that's another, yeah. When, and remote in the sense, not even just, I mean, remote, when you just say remote, it kind of feels like, oh, that's just remote. But, but you didn't know each other personally. Exactly. We didn't know each right. other personally. We didn't, you know, never really communicated. And these are people that work in different time zones, different, you know, countries. So it's it's really uh, broadly scoped project. And people are trying to- How did to, you start then? Uh, how did we meet, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we met, I mean, I met one of the guys- Again, this game has really changed. The, the group of the core, like a, a lot of the core people have left, but some people have stayed. So at the very, 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 very beginning, I met the guy, the producer on a game forum. I think it was like gameforums.com or some game, indie game development forum or whatever. So I was like, hey, I'm a programmer. I'm, and this was back when I was in college. So it was a long time ago. Uh, so I was just like interested in trying to get my feet wet in the game industry and just trying to, you know, 
improve my chops as an engineer. Uh, so that's how I got into the project. And we were using um, Hero Engine back then, which was uh, Simitronics, Simutronics. Uh, they sold it and did, you know, like Hero, Hero's Journey and Star Wars Old Republic used their software or their tech uh, to make that game. Uh, MMO. So that's what we started using. It was like, hey, we want to make this MMO. And that's how it started. And we started using that Hero Engine. But Hero Engine was just, it was just a little too much for what we wanted. And it was just overly complicated uh, tool to use for, you know, making that game. So we switched to Unity. Um, and then we used Unity for a very long time, which is, here's another surprise. Recently, like I said, a month ago, we made that pivot to, you know, wanting to get a, a smaller game out and we also made a pivot from using Unity uh, to using Unreal. Mm. Um, so that was a huge shift. And it took a lot of conversation because a lot of progress has gone into, you know, building out our game uh, in Unity uh, using this whole Unity workflow, Unity assets, everything. You know, it's going from C Sharp to, you know, using C++ and Blueprints. So a lot of a lot has changed. And even assets uh, are, I mean, it's not, you're not, you're not losing assets, but, you know, there is some, you know, carryover time that needs to go into converting those assets to UI assets and not prefabs and stuff like that. So anyway, it was a lot of decision making and the, the ultimate decision came down to level design, uh, content creation. Uh, our networking solution for Unity was not as robust as we wanted it to be. Not only was it not as robust as we needed it to be, it also got deprecated. So the, the tool that we were using, which was called Ulink, uh, no longer was supported. Um, wow. no longer being supported. So we we were faced with either having to purchase that uh, product and just, you know, have and just work through it and, and create our own or just, I guess, work through all our problems when it came to networking uh, and, and replicating data. Or we could, you know, just roll our own solution, networking solution in Unity or, you know, switch to Unreal, which, you know, had its had a lot of advantages as well. And so... It took, it, uh, even the decision to switch took months, I think. It was like yeah, a couple months of both research, uh, talking with you know, our level designers, talking with the producer, talking with our tech our engineers as well, uh, because a lot of our engineers also didn't have a lot of experience working with uh, Unreal. Uh, but our level designers, they were all like whiz, whizzes and, and professionals, and I guess you know, they were really talented with Unreal and, and that workflow and you know, making assets look really, really good. Uh, not only really good, but also producing them really fast, quickly. So, and that that was our main bottleneck when we were in, in, in Unity was just getting our level design, getting our, you know, characters and, and all the models into Unity and into the game as quickly as possible. So that was our main bottleneck working with Unity. And we solved that when we moved to Unreal. Oh, so I'm I'm rambling, but... A big your team? No, dude, that's really good. I mean, then that's tough. Like they making a decision like that, changing to Unreal, S- switching after... engines not just once but two uh, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, but I think, uh, I think those were. It's like, uh, what's that phrase they say? It's like when you're in a relationship with the wrong person for too long. It's like that's one of their biggest regrets as an old person or something. I don't know. They like the oldest person says, "Hey." One of my biggest regrets was being staying in a relationship I knew I shouldn't have been in. And that's kind of how it was. It's a Even, sunk cost bias, right? That's the whole yeah, thing about exactly. it. You spend so much time. But they always there's a good rule for that. And 
Oh, there's a book called uh, Essentialism by Greg McHugh, and it's about simplifying stuff like that. But they have mm-hmm. like a 90% rule or something. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to – if you're faced with that decision, maybe with like the engine and the kind of tools that you're using, if you want to – you know, you didn't pay anything for it. But if – say you paid for something and it's that sunk cost bias. But if you if you aren't willing to give like pay for that at 80 or 90% of the cost, then just give it up and move on. You know what I mean? At that moment. If you yeah. – at that the time. So – but because you feel like the sunk cost thing is like – but we put so much work into this and so yeah. much time and you feel like you're losing ground and you're just going to stop if you don't get out of it. Yeah. And th- and that's how I felt. And I, th- I think that's how the decision process was. It felt like we were just going to be losing or throwing away so much stuff. But, you know, after a month, I feel like we've almost exceeded where we were. And it's kind of, it's, indi- it's ridiculously crazy how much progress we've made. I feel like, I don't know if it's, it's I, th- I also get into this is just, I think our transition to, Unreal was actually a catalyst for motivation for a lot of our developers. And exciting. Yeah, they got really mm-hmm. excited. Like the level designers got super excited. You know, the the 3D artists, you know, the light, you know, everyone got really excited about moving into the engine. So they started producing assets that just made, you know, blew our minds away. They were like, damn, this shit looks so good. Let's well, and that's the thing too. You might want, like, that's a good little bit of philosophy or like yeah. advice is that if you're on a big team like that or a team of people, and if you're a programmer and like say the other another option is technologically viable and it works and it's fine, it's like, okay, that could work for us. Mm-hmm. But if it excites your level designers and your uh, artists, then go with that one because that's the one they're going to spend all the time polishing on. That's what they're going to make the difference on that end of it. You know, yeah, programmers it, can learn a new format. They don't care as exactly. much. You know? And it definitely had like that symbiotic relationship kind of thing. Like we fed off each other, their excitement and their producing great assets made us like, damn, we want to put these assets in the game. We want to make functionality for these assets. And it just, that's how I feel like we've really started snowballing in production and development. So we're actually moving more quickly than you know, than we were previously for X amount of years, you know? So I think that was um, a huge boon to our production and, and development. So I, I don't regret that decision at all. I think it was the best decision we could have made. And I think we're more on track now to meet our goals this year than we were previously. So. Oh, Vrima, um, quick question. Why uh, did you just change the uh, networking system? To UNET or something like that. Yeah, UNET. We we researched that as well, and I we didn't think it was going to be without a lot of overhaul and uh, you know to make to fit our I guess what we wanted to do, uh, and it, it just just UNET in general was kind of simplistic. Spotty. Yes, spot. Well, I don't know spotty, but it was like really simplistic in like how much uh, it could get done with what we wanted. I guess what we wanted to do. So anyway, we we eventually saw. So it, it was UNet versus um, Unreal networking, which also has a lot of, I guess, shortcuts and you know things from the marketplace that it's just we can leverage a lot easier. Like even like uh, their streaming, uh, streaming. I guess a world. What's it called? World Builder. Just being able to build out a world of you know and stream together these worlds much easier than it just had a lot of functionality that we were missing or we'd have to recreate if we stuck with unity right what were you saying oh. well, i was just saying unreal is like we yeah because we started again we started the show as a unity podcast because that's what we all use primarily yeah and then we kind of shifted just doing general game development because all all types of people like to use different types of you know engines we have before um 
And we still have a lot of Unity people who come listen to the earlier episodes and they get to these like, what? There's no Unity yeah, talk. And we still do. <laughs> but, I, but I think it's also a testament to, like, these are just tools, guys. Like, we go to Unite. We love going to Unite. We'll probably go to Unite this year. We like it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if Unreal had one, we'd go to that too. You know, we like just, we don't, these are all still just companies and stuff. And these are tools. And so you don't need to get so nationalistic about the tools. Yeah. Because... It needs to fit whatever game you're working on. You need to pick the right tool. And, and like, I think you... game development, I think we've already right. mentioned it plenty of times, how fluid it is. So it's not just sticking to a tool because if you just stick to a tool, you may not, you may just be, uh, you know, I guess what's that circle with a, I don't know what that freaking idiom is. <laughs> the Snake eating its own tail. I don't know what you're talking about. Where you you try to pigeonhole something into like a box or something. What is the square peg and a round hole? hole. That's it. There we go. Thanks. (laughs) I'm actually from Nigeria. I'm not from America. So I don't know these idioms. Anyway. (laughs) So so anyway, that's that's kind of my spiel. Other than that, other than our game switch was a huge thing. And I think we could talk about just, you know, the decision making process and and what goes into that? We've also I've also been just working on our website. Uh, one of the ma- major problems I could just talk about some issues I've had with that um, was with our email service that I was I was creating this confirmation. Uh, you know where you you know you register on the website, it sends you a confirmation email. You click confirmation button, and then you're supposed to be you know confirming your or verifying your email. So I was doing that whole system, and I ran into a problem where I was just hitting you know the Gmail spam filter. Uh, so what I did, because I was sending from my server, from my domain, uh, and I'm sure people out there who already know this or web developers know, like using PHP Mailer can definitely run into that problem uh, when you're sending from uh, your domain and from within a server. So what I ended up doing was switching it to uh, using Amazon Web Services. They have that Amazon SES, Simple Email Service, yeah, which just alleviated that whole problem. It made it so much easier, and they have a PHP uh, what you called API and package that just works. It just works. Uh, so it's really easy to get that set up. And it was right now there, I think they have like 12 months free for Amazon web services that you can sign up and you get the whole suite, you know, you get S3. So I also tied in some, you know, assets into S3 and just stored that there. So that whole process got a much easier. Also, let me, another shout out, shout out to another application. If you're using, if you're doing like email, uh, correspondences and you need to, you know, send it over the wire using some, I guess, programming language, a good way to like design uh, uh, email in HTML is using a service called bfree.io. That's B as the bug and free as in free.io. And you can design these templates for emails really easily, uh, all for free. Uh, within the browser so it's really cool easy and then they output they export it to html where you can just tie that into your email sending so it's really like cool. uh, mailchimp not quite not quite like mailchimp mailchimp yeah i mean it, as far as the designing part yes it works like mailchimp but mailchimp okay. also does like the actual sending of emails but this is if you wanted to just build out a customized html formatted yeah, email make a pretty email yeah like, exactly so that's what's cool so if you want to do that or if you're in that wheelhouse, check out BeFree.io. Yeah, check it out, Andrew, because I know you love my Yeah, <laughs> I love it. 
Mailchimp. Mailchimp. I have a question. Yeah, Mailchimp. <laughs> I have a question with that. You talk about like the pivoting because that, that's that's related to Zach and my project recently. We did something a little bit related to that. But when it's a project that big, like how? Where did that the 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 start the catalyst that change come from? Was it one person saying? We need to do no. Unreal. Did you, who, like, who was there? Did you, it's like all start doing it or somebody just start, you know, getting buy-in to do that? Like, how did that go? That's true. That, that's a good question. Because I feel like um, it was, it was, uh, it was a very, very, very gradual, yeah, this is a problem. Yeah, this is a problem. I feel like throughout our, our production or development, we've, we've had itches of, hey, this is a, a pain point for us. Like artists would say, hey, it's really hard for me to do this. It's really hard for me to do this. It's really you know, there's shaders in Unreal that can do all this stuff. There's, you know, you know, even engineers will say, hey, there's this tool in, in, in Unreal that can do this. So it's like gradually we just we like we noticed that there was a lot of problems that we could solve by moving to Unreal. Uh, and then I think the main kicker was when our networking solution went out. And then I was like, damn, well, as the engineer here, I feel like this is <laughs> kind of a, a big blocker for us that we're either going to have to switch to UNet. And actually, uh, one of our engineers, uh, I'll I'll shout him out, Felix. He researched uh, Unet. I think Zach was asking or Eduardo. He researched and and did a prototype in Unet for us. And then you know he just came back with the consensus or or the idea that this wasn't going to be a, a a viable solution for us. And so after his research and prototyping of that, we was like, okay, well, now we're limited even more with our our options. Uh, so. You know, I think it was just a gradual thing of a lot of people saying, hey, there's a, there are issues we're finding. All right. and, and then, of course, just I think motivation also was the, the not motivation, but um, I guess the sluggish development you know, process and how that workflow was going. It just was really sluggish and we could see that something was holding us back. And it was probably all of those pain points everyone kept pointing at and saying, hey, this is a pain point for me. Uh, and then it took us a while to realize, hey, maybe we should fix that. So I guess the word of advice for me to anybody that's listening and cares to hear is just listen to your pain points. Uh, if they're pain points, they're, they're there for a reason. If someone's complaining about it, they're probably complaining about it for a reason. Uh, there are people that are just going to complain just to complain, but sometimes the, you know these are legitimate concerns and those concerns can really save you a lot of time and money uh, if you listen to them and try to work towards fixing them as soon as possible. And then even yourself, you might be more motivated, and you're, you 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 see your product move a lot faster <clears throat> if you right. you know address those pain points. Pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. That's <laughs> <laughs> creepy. Uh, oh, one more one more thing. Sorry, I, I don't want to. I'm taking like the whole episode for myself. Well, but we'll get go to ahead, us. go ahead. So selfish. <laughs> one thing, uh, another thing we did recently was changing. This is there's yeah. I think there's a lot that I can talk about, but like communication was a, a very huge thing for us. Improving communication, uh, especially with a group, and I actually want to touch on ask you, Eduardo, as well how communication plays in with you or how that plays in with motivation. But for us, for a multi-person team, communication was kind of key to, you know, improving motivation. Uh, we started doing weekly, uh, we, we would always chat on Slack or chat on Slack or Skype or Slack. Um, but that wasn't, it really isn't the same as doing voice like meetings, like stand-ups or, or weekly meetings where we're just talking to each other, getting a feel for what people are working on and their passion and their, you know, maybe their frustration with certain tasks. 
So actually vocal chats actually helped more so than just even everyday Slack, you know, messages. Uh, I don't know what the difference is mentally or psychologically, but actually talking with people, uh, whether they're, you know, in the same town as you, in the same state as you, or just across the seas, you know, it really helped speaking with them, understanding what they're going through and just talking through problems. Cause it's, it, sometimes it takes forever just to get a response back. If you're watching, well, I, I always think talking in person, I hate chatting about something that's re- real yeah, yeah, yeah. or serious because one, it just, it can get so misinterpreted too. too. And a question did kind of people word weirdly. And it's like, they can kind of piss you off. Mm-hmm. If it was in person, they might say it's like, one, you can see their face and you can see how they're taking it. But also you're like, what are you, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And then they can just say, it's like, okay. Whereas if you're all chatting and it's in a group of people and you're trying to measure your words, it's like, first off, like, like, like I, I, I don't agree specifically with that statement. And I also don't like, it becomes this weird, like Senate debate or something yeah, yeah, yeah. where it can just be like, hold on, what are you saying? It's like, no, 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 that's not what I didn't mean. That. I'm sorry. It can be yeah, very, it, it diffuse the situation really quickly. Also. Yeah. And not, not only that, I feel like just chatting when you're chatting, you have to be there at the same time. Whereas, or not quality chatting, time. When you're talking, you're you have to be there at the same time. Like they have to be there. You know, if you're chatting, I could chat. You know, at one p.m. and then see your message at three p.m. and then respond, or or one o five even. It's just like there's the delay, and it's not that as intimate. Or you know, you don't feel connected to the people that you're working with, and it's supposed to be about you know passionate together with. So, I feel like that. Oh, helps. Besides. Also, it helps a lot when you have people working uh, and they are in different countries. So, like, people have different ways to say the same thing. Um, So, even if they speak the same language. Like, for example, Cuban people, they speak Spanish. Mexican people speak Spanish. But we don't use the same phrases. So, we might be talking the same language and, like, another person is like, What are you saying? So when when you're actually having a conversation, it's a lot easier to clarify things like that. Than well, that's like, chat. and that's what I you first to daughter like that's a, even like English is a second language. You come out, you you do great, but I think your written language is much more seems more formal and direct than what you really mean. Sometimes you know, and if we were talking yeah. in person, you're like, yeah, no, 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 I didn't mean that. Yeah. But if you type something, you're no, like, whoa, I, I whoa, daughter, exactly what because, are you talking about? <laughs> I know Chill. because that that's what I, what I've been taught and. Uh, I know uh, my language, my, my English has been like the classic English that you learn in a school in another right. country. Mm-hmm. Like this is grammar. You don't, you don't learn. Uh, I mean, I've improved a lot with, with you guys. With, you don't start uh, sentences. Hey, and like that. <laughs> Where'd you would if you're just talking? <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Cool. Well, yeah, I actually had a question for about you, like Eduardo, like how it's been, cause I know you worked on, you know, the hangman by yourself and how it was, you know, I guess maintaining motivation or what happened during pivot times. Like, how was that? Or even Deanna, he worked by himself. Oh, that's true. In terms terms of communication, it has been super easy because all the people that I have worked with are in my, in my same job. So we're just talking about it. Hey, what do you think about this? Oh, this and that. So it's super easy. Um, but actually, um, I had worked with some guys from India, and what we do is um, exactly what you did. Um, like every week, we set up like one hour or two hours to have a, a call on Skype, and we discuss the progress of the project and what ideas we have and what 
um, you know, decisions we're going to make and all that. That helps a lot. Cool. So, um, in terms of motivation, <laughs> this is more, uh, I don't know about the rest of the team. Like, in my personal uh, opinion and what I do is just, uh, I listen to a lot of uh, motivational speakers like Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, those type of people uh, to cheer me up. And even when I'm pumped up, I listen to them because that's even better for me. And always I spend 15 minutes every day, like setting up the goals of the day, um, which is just uh, sticking out on my cell phone saying, today I'm going to definitely do, um, I don't know, uh, a class in my in my game or I'm going to make this power. I, I don't care if I have to go to sleep at 1 or 2 um, a.m. I have to finish that. Um, so just setting setting goals is super important for me because you really feel that you're moving forward and, and you see the project getting uh, better and better. So that helps a lot. Cool. Yeah, I wonder if like, you're thinking about that, I wonder if like, is motivation and and communication are they like inversely proportional to like team size, meaning like it, it, just in what can be a challenge Maybe. if you have trouble with it because it's like a single person, it might be hard because you can just drop a project and nobody's going to give you any shit about it, mm-hmm. you know. And, but it's also it's e- easiest to communicate with yourself, right? You know yeah, what you yeah. need to do. But as the team size gets higher, it's harder to communicate. But it's also you you get more motivated though because you're like I don't want to let down these twenty other people. Yeah, yeah. There's always more people that you're trying to kind of get something done for. That's true. Yeah. And you did. feel uh, accountable for your work. Right, right. So yeah, that that I think that um, is a very important factor. That's why you see a have... lot of success. So it feels like you see a lot of. Um, I guess it finds the level based on the size of the scope of the project. You know. For a lot of ones that are like on Steam or indie games that are, because I would describe your game as being bigger than indie, even though you guys are indie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in its ambition or whatever. Um, so you guys have a bigger team, but you see a lot of times on like some of the successful just indie type games or this platform or whatever it is, it's like two to five people. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that seems like there's maybe that that just finds its level and being a sweet spot between communication, but also staying on task and then, you know, keeping everybody in the same vision. Yeah. Well, speaking of staying on task, uh, and also in reference to what I read today on our debug lounge, uh, shout out, Facebook group, uh, was just some of the project management tools that we've used in the past. Uh, we've, you know, we've, I think everyone's pretty much heard of Jira, which is Atlassian's uh, tool set, I guess. Uh, Taiga.io was the one that I mentioned in the lounge, which is just a web-based, you know, task management tool, uh, project management, actually. Uh, so it has like, you know, you could set up milestones and, uh, you know, set dates and all that, you know, all that tracking you can do for task. Trello is another one that people like. I don't really like it. I never really liked it. I think we use it for the debug log. In the, in the we concept. tried for a week to use it for the debug log. Yeah, yeah it's true. It didn't work. Yeah, it didn't really work for us. Yeah. Uh, another one that <clears throat> another one that we're using. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no, you just made a comment though. Oh, whatever. Anyway, we call it's called Freedcamp. It's is and th- these ones that I'm mentioning are free except for Jira. Uh, Freedcamp is another one that we're using. Uh, this one's what we've settled on thus far for managing tasks um, and people and projects. So we're able to set up our milestones when they're going to be due. See the calendar of it. 
you know, just track tasks. It's not as, you know, what's the word, comprehensive as JIRA is as far as task management, but it's getting the job done for the most part for us. And, and it's good to see, you know, how everyone's progressing on their task. And so if you want to check out some project management tools, try FreeCamp, Trello, Taiga, JIRA, Bandcamp, et cetera. Bandcamp's expensive Cut. shit now, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Can we include uh, is Basecamp? Oh, like uh, base camp, not band. That's camp. what I meant. Ba- not yeah. band, band camp. Band camps. If you're a great, if you're any music artist and you want to sell your <laughs> <Exactly>. songs, <laughs> band camp's great. You can check out band camp. That's too funny. So it's base camp. Yeah, space camp. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> All right. I, how, I think how, I said it too. Yeah, Did I say it too. Because <laughs> I just read it. I'm looking at it. And I yeah, read. that's too funny. My bad. Uh, so how about you guys, Andrew and Zach? I know you guys are deep into it. Zach and Andrew update. Uh, we are working <laughs> on We mentioned our roguelike game that we're working yeah, on, I think, before. So what's the progress? I made a logo for our company. Uh, that's great. That Wait, takes me a while. you have a company name? Well, yeah, we have a company name. I can't really. We can say it. It's Anchorhead Games. Yes, it's there a Star go. Wars reference. So Maybe. I mean, it, it could or could it's not be. Okay, it's a Star Wars <laughs> we actually we came up i think that within two months of zag and i meeting we started thinking of like we should do a game remember then but it's like it should be a star wars reference who goes to love star wars and we came up with like a list of a, like a thousand names from stars like nope 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 but we like it we're gonna we have a website we're gonna have a dev blog we're setting up so hopefully we'll have something on there soon nice um because we wanted to start because we're still yeah we're probably like 30% into this process, you know, mm-hmm. as far as we're not over the hump. We, we're doing a lot of systems and stuff. So, but we yeah. want to start capturing stuff now. Now that I have the logo, I can put a site up. <laughs> Just a simple WordPress site and we can start pushing videos and stuff. Because Zach's done a lot of stuff. I don't know if you want to talk about that, all your procedural generation stuff. I got a question for you guys, actually. Yeah. For you, Andrew, I guess. Uh, since you're, you said you started doing like your company stuff, your company website, your company logo, et cetera. What made you, you know, tackle that aspect of game, their game development or game progress over the over uh, actual, I guess, the actual game mechanics? Well, in this case, it was literally just because I the reason I I mean, I put it in places where I probably couldn't work in the game. So that's when I was working on it, when I was doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like recording podcasts, not this podcast, of course, guys. I wouldn't not focus. I on would you, never but... work on something else. <laughs> yeah, Zach plays a game right now, but like, um... <laughs> <laughs> but to me, honestly, I might wait for that. You're right because it's not as important. But I really wanted to do like I really my goal within the next maybe this week by this weekend by the end of this weekend is ha- we have AngerheadGames.com and I wanted to get that up. And start posting our progress because Zach's doing a lot of cool stuff and I'm starting to put like do some artwork stuff and UI mock-ups and stuff. And I wanted to – I've never done this before, but I wanted to start sharing just yeah. like a dev blog progress. So I needed you know some – I can't put that up without branding moving. Come on. Yeah, you know, yeah. no, I, that, I, no, actually, like, so that's, is, that's kind of why because I wanted, I, I wanted to do a dev blog as soon as possible. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's actually the key part. And I think that's really cool that you guys are actually starting on that because – you know, technically a game could take a really long time, hence hashtag five years plus for right. us. So I think putting out that website and getting your content and, you know, starting to market early, because we've talked about in our podcast many times before, is just how essential and crucial marketing can be and how important of a part it plays in your actual success as a game. So I think, you know, getting those dev blogs and getting people to read and see what's working and even like contribute. I don't know if you guys are going to have like some 
you know, sourced stuff or, you know, just giving them. Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, people pay attention. You yeah. Know, just they, giving them a glimpse start. into your progress. I think that's really key. And I think I really like that, that you guys started I mean, early. Yeah. I, I, again, we can drink now the debug log during game. I mentioned Double Finer all the time because they had, they're about to start a new Amnesia Fortnite next week. So I'm excited about that. But they have a thing where they, a couple different projects and then their Amnesia Fortnite where they do like a little two week game jam. They have actually have a company there, two guys, the two player productions that actually, or might be more than that, but they, film them you know and it's like an awesome inside oh, yeah. look into it's so motivating i rewatched them just a couple of weeks ago because they're just fun to watch if you're it gets you motivated inspired mm-hmm. um and so i come from that i i would just love that would be the ultimate solution but i can't pay somebody to come follow zach and i but i would like to start just making videos like he's doing a lot of cool stuff now with the maps and stuff and i'd like to i started making him like make different builds so we can like put pictures of that on you know what i mean like mm-hmm. thinking about that stuff because this is the first time i've ever done that and I never thought about it before, but it'd be really cool because a lot of times you have a build and you just keep overwriting stuff and you get to be where yeah. it looks good. But I mean, I, I guess you could always, re- you're not going to revert your build just to get a screenshot. So it's always good to like, hey, let's take some video of this crappy looking thing right now because this is the beginning of it. And trying to remember just because I just, I think it's fascinating and inspiring to see different levels of the game and where we were and what yeah. happened, you know. In the series of progression of the development. Yeah. And the, the questions, and now even we're, we're getting to the point where we almost start might start taping conversations or something. <laughs> just mm. and this is not a vanity thing. It's just like and not like this will be the greatest game, so we need to document this. It's more just like I think it's interesting because if this game fails, I think it would be interesting mm. just to see. Even for us to go back and reference, like that's where we made the mistake right there. We shouldn't have done that. <laughs> we should have done this thing. You know, yeah. I'm all about just recording and trying to make it. Public and again, we're not going to show everything, and sometimes we'll keep stuff. But I would like to actually record and like document. So maybe even when the game's released, we release even more. Like here's a little thirty minute thing I made of the montage of some of the stuff we worked on. You know, the progress of it. Yeah. So that that's basically where we are. Like I, the biggest thing at this point in the game because it's, it's a roguelike. So we've made like Zach and his projects and my other little games for it. They've all been a little more action based, you know. <laughs> and it's like we was like we want to start at the simple game because we have. We have a lot of game ideas. Some are 3D, like more in line with your game and other stuff. But they're like, let's just start with like a roguelike. That'd be good. We know what that is. We know the bounds of it, you know. And then we start adding features. Well, not even adding features, but just thinking it's weird. Well, to, uh, okay, Make, making the features that we we like better. Right. And even just thinking, but it's weird to think about it. It's just it, it, the biggest surprise for us. And not surprise, but just like craziness you think about. It. It's just even a simple game, like it's taking for granted a simple game. But if it's like an RPG or has systems like that, how many systems such a simple game can have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're like, oh my goodness. This is like we have like these eight different we have crafting and items and just making we were talking the other day about items and how yeah. that would work and the classes for that would work. And it's yeah. like, hold on. So, you know, that that can be every little bit of a simple game can be a big uh the complexity can be there. So it's interesting to well, yeah. That. you mentioned items, but like we were talking about that and we were Talking about how, uh, I guess how loot would be dropped within within a game, and then that uh, kind of like the loot is based on the type of level and the the, the tile set that is going to be dropped in that level, and then the enemies enemy type that's going to be in that level. So all of that stuff needs to now move up another level. So now we look at okay, now how do we make the decision of what kind of level we're actually going to play in, and that goes all the way back to mission selection, and then what 
things need to happen in mission selection and what information needs to be determined there in order to pass it to the build system and which will then tell the loot system on what what stuff to drop so it was like it was something we thought was super simple and then once we dig down into it we're like oh crap this this really expands a lot yeah, it's like always the thing I say when we talk about game development and we compare it to the movie industry and you talk to your interviews with directors that can get overwhelmed sometimes. He's like, well, I like to, you know, write a story, even if they're like writers and they're good cinematographers, but they have to answer a billion other questions constantly. That's what they say. It's like if you're a director, the <laughs> you got to get comfortable with answering questions and making decisions where they go, what color, how tall should that table be? How wide should it be? Should it be eight chairs? Should this hat be red? You're like, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. You're like all these, what you think you look at a frame, like, yeah, there's in a house shooting something, but you have to make, and especially the game because you're creating everything. And if the movie they're, you know, putting, they're dressing the set or they're putting clothes on the actors, you have to be comfortable with making all those decisions. So I think it's easy to get overwhelmed with those decisions, and it's really helpful. When you're by yourself, it's hard, but it's helpful with Zach and I because we can just literally, like, all right, hold on. Let's just break this down <laughs> into functionality and, like, why. You see, you kind of keep looping around, but it's good. I mean, it's a lot of talking. Yeah, and that was a good example when you used, the, like, a director because we're, we're – we ju- well, just recently we experienced an issue of where we have to kind of, like, pivot our theme. So we've kind of noticed that there's a lot of roguelikes coming out that were matching our previous theme. And so we're looking at, 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 I guess, modifying what, what our, the theme of our game was, but still fit it into the, the mechanics that we already have. Mm. And so that whole uh, like change in, in theme has really not, not necessarily made us modify our, our features, but we're trying to th- figure out how to make that story work into what we have currently. And, what, and, and, and that might, if you just hear that outright saying, <laughs> we looked at the market and we saw that those things, that might sound crass, like from a, like you guys are just trying to do that because you want to make money. And, and like, because before it was like, it was pure on cyberpunky kind of thing. And, but I've talked about this before. It's not about picking, um, it's about artisticness. Like you want to be able to express yourself and do something cool and unique, right? And, but also you don't need to be stupid about that marketplace and looking at it and what's there or not. But I think in the end, you need, if you feel like you want to do something, luckily there's a lot of different kind of ideas and themes I'd like to do. So if we have an idea to me, like the theme and the presentation, the aesthetics should stand out. Right. right. And if, I, if you make a decision and then if, and if you're not, if, if, if the, the core value of the game was making it with this theme, then you should keep it the way it is. But ours was like, we liked it and we thought it was cool. But then we see like a bunch of other games recently that it's like have come out with that. And it wasn't because even just from a money making or something standpoint, because again, we're making this as if we'll never make money. You just make it because you want to make the game you want to make. I was like, yeah, but it doesn't stand out. It's not. And I think this is actually even better because what it's pushed us into is, and I won't even talk about the theme now because you'll just have to see it when we talk about it. Because <laughs> it, I, I don't even know if I could describe it now. Because it's, because, yeah. but now it's pushed it into something that I think is truly unique. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like before, it's like it was unique because nobody had done that genre on roguelikes, really. You know, but then I see more and more. I'm like, okay, well, so it's not necessarily just motivated by Mark. It's it can make you be more creative and stuff mm-hmm. if you don't worry right. about it. And also, like the I guess the theme of the game wasn't exactly what it was motivating me to make the game. Right. For me, it was more of the systems and the features that I was I'm looking like looking for when I play a roguelike. Uh, or like a RPG, but um, things that I, that I want to put into a game that I don't see in a lot of other games. And theme is kind of like a um, 
I, w- I don't want to say a secondary thing, but it's not my primary concern when I was making the game. Uh, cool. I have a quick question for you, Zach. Uh, so mm-hmm. as, as you've been working on development of it, have you hit a spot or hit anything, any complexity of the game systems that made you say, hey, I need to just, we should have to, we need to change some aspect of the game because this is just too complex? Or have you, you know, been pretty, I guess, I guess pretty steady on, the systems have you learned anything new is what i'm saying essentially is like anything right, we, that... got to, we got we got you there yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, our, on, our, on our pathfinding thing we have a big one right okay yeah there's a, a huge uh pathfinding system so we i started out doing like a star or a modification of a star and it was it was all right like i my the performance of, of my code was not top tier like i think i don't i could only go out like 10 squares and i just it wasn't very good and then Andrew found an article. Um, what was the? Do you know what that article? It was I mean, an article, but somebody had like a Georgia Tech thesis about it too. That's where we. Mm-hmm. Then somebody had a little article explaining it, and it was what's called vector path. Yeah, vector finding. field or something. Yeah, yeah vector field pathfinding. Um, but it, I mean, it's amazing. Like, I I have thirty uh, thirty enemies running off of it, and they can process and, and execute their turn faster than I can press and release a button. So, so basically what it does, it's like, it's like if with those a star thing, it's like every, every, at every turn, each of those enemies has to find a path mm-hmm. based on heuristics, whatever we talked about in our pathfinding, deconstructing pathfinding episode. And yep. this, what it does is at every turn, it, it, it values the, it, it puts vectors on each of the square. So our, our person is zero. And then it goes, the cardinal directions are one, one, one. Then what touches that two, 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 three, three, three. Like it makes, it makes a map of vectors. And so the enemies don't calculate shit. All they're calculating is the actual uh, conditional is four, but greater than three. And they move to three. Basically. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can genius and simple, but we never thought of it. we had to find it. Yeah. And like the, the thing is that when I say there's, there can be 30 enemies that, that do all this faster than I can release a button, it scales up like 3,000 enemies. It could be 3,000 and it wouldn't, it would make barely a, a blink of an eye difference, mm-hmm. um, which is really super awesome. Um, God, there was uh, something else. Oh, yeah. Um, like as far as something like stumped me that, that kind of, well, it didn't necessarily stump me, but. I didn't like the way the mechanic worked and it kind of made us have to rethink how we were going to do it, uh, which is uh, like ranged attacks in, in our roguelike. So there's there's tons of examples of different roguelikes that do ranged attacks, but we weren't <coughs> quite sure how we wanted to do ours because we were, we're stuck on this grid and then our, our attacks are stuck in cardinal directions. But if we add uh, ranged attacks, then we could basically be attacked from an angle which we can't... Uh, we we can't fight against with a melee sword so we're like okay well then our answer is we probably have to go and give the player ranged attacks and then if we do that this player ranged attacks still going to be stuck on those cardinal actions or will you be able to do whatever you want so we've we've kind of gone back and forth and i think we finally decided that uh ranged attacks are just completely open and then uh up to a certain range and then uh our melee attacks are still stuck in the cardinal directions so and speaking on that too, the idea that not only with the theme and stuff, but also like what he said with certain mechanics and certain things, like we have a problem, like we go back to do some research, we find a different solution. We talked about in different episodes. I know Eduardo talks about this stuff a lot. We, I have a huge point of like researching, playing a bunch of games in that genre, maybe games with that theme, how they handled it, 
um, you know, just taking notes. And we talk about that at the beginning of a project when you're thinking out and planning it. But our system has just been constant iteration through all those things. Mm -hmm. So basically at each of those steps and even, and it's great because through that process, we've actually found better examples of roguelikes that we like that fit our kind of scope better than we didn't have at the beginning. So, but even like that, it's like, oh, now let's look at range things. And then I go back and we research and look up, let's play videos are the greatest thing in the freaking world. They're they're awesome because in, in within 10 minutes, me and him can reference 10 other games and see how they did it. Like really quickly, just skim through YouTube videos. Like, oh, they're oh, okay. I see. That makes sense. That solution makes sense. And you're not doing what necessary. We don't necessarily take on the people's solutions, but it informs our. So just to make that point is that throughout the process, like the referencing and the research and all that stuff. And then that's not something just the beginning. That's something that should happen mm-hmm. throughout it. And you, that's why you collect references. Cause you go back to, you reference them and you keep going back to them mm-hmm. and like making sure that, I don't know, because as you hit those thousand decisions, that's where that reference, that's where it pays off in tenfold because you can go, oh, we're prepared for this. I found something for this. I didn't know what it meant earlier, but now I can see that I need this detail right here. So <clears throat> I, f- I found that really helpful through that whole process. So yeah, that's where we are. We, we've changed our theme. And the, the real quick, the one thing, the last thing I could probably really talk about quickly is that um, just in terms of team size, it's weird. Like I find it two, three, two or three, four or five people. It's pretty beneficial. It's hard. You know, you got, what do you have? Like 30 people or something? Obina? Uh, 20. Yeah. 15. Honestly. And, 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 but the, the <laughs> thing about it is it's actually, cause I'm so, <laughs> I, I, from doing different projects and doing different things other time, I get more, I'm, I can be mercurial. It's like, ah, oh, we could just change that and do that, do that. And Zach's Zach's good. It's a good fit us working together because he's a little more resistant to change sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing about but the thing what was interesting about what we hit upon when we changed our theme is that I've worked in a lot of stuff where I, it's almost like I I see the comp. I don't go and comp. I, I I plan stuff in compass directions now. I try to train myself to do that. Whereas like I need to know how this ends, this story or this theme, how where we are. But I don't need to know all the details because I know we'll figure it out. And I know it'll be good. I just trust it's like we'll get it. Don't worry. It's like, but Zach is very detail. Like I'm detail oriented too, but he wants to know some details that I don't care about yet. <laughs> and so yeah. it becomes an interesting process just as far as working with different, like you said, working with different people in your team, Abina. Mm-hmm. Not just how their just how their personalities are, but just how their brain works. I'm very I need to know the whole picture and Zach sometimes pinpoints details that I don't know. And I think it helps both of us because sometimes I can show him a structure that he goes, okay, that makes sense. You know, I can give an answer, but he can also bring up a details like, okay, which forces me to come up with a solution faster than I wanted to, but then it ends up being good. So I just think it's, I don't know, this is, I'm just making a statement, it's not really a question, but I think I find it very fascinating to work with people that also have different ways they envision a project, right? And then seeing, like you said, the pain points, some people might really hate this networking thing, but other people might be worried about the deployment of this thing. So mm-hmm. coming together is a very interesting, and I don't know any tips. You know, it's hard. With, I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm still talking. But, like, I, it's just that I find it a fascinating – and it, it, it's, it's valuable when you find people you can disagree with and, like, say, I don't I, I don't like that. I don't, and Zach and I have done that good. And I think you need to find people that you work creatively with that you can also – this is my secret of create, love collaboration creatively, creatively, sorry, is that you need to find people that you don't take anything personally with, right? Yeah. 
Like I impossible. Yeah. Just I talked I talked with our mutual friend Brent that I do the Digital Dads podcast and me and him are like that too. You need to find people that you work on projects with that they can pitch you something mm-hmm. like or they can and you go, I don't really like that. It's not hitting me really well. Mm-hmm. Right? And I and because that's invite not go, Oh, I like it. I don't know, you like it. Like, that, that you're not competing with each other, you're not trying to prove something to each other, that you can go I don't know. I just, that makes me feel weird. I don't like that. What my first impressions are, because then it has a conversation. And Zach and I've done this with this game. Cause even I pitched the new theme and he's like, I don't know if I like that. And I'll say, well, hold on, let's talk about it then. Yeah. And then, and then it becomes two hour yeah. conversation. And then you're like, okay, I think we're, we're both excited. And then he forced me to, you know, make decisions ahead of time, but it made me work for it. You know, yeah. and I'm like, okay. And then you get both get to a place. Cause again, yeah, like the result said, is something that is very, uh, at least in my opinion, after we went through the process, our, our result is, is very cohesive. Yeah, and it's like you said, Abina, just getting on the phone. It's basically verbal communication. Just yeah. talk it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that works for every every company, every game right. you're worth. Verbal communication or anything you do, really. <laughs> verbal communication is key. So, man, and and not like- be afraid to not be afraid to sit there. If you have a conflict, you go, okay, well, now we're get a cup of coffee because now we're going at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't be afraid to like a lot. Of, I think a lot of people. Sh- the reason creative like it breaks down is because people are afraid of confrontation and they shut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, okay, meeting over, fine, we'll do whatever you want to. You want to do that? Fine. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I want it because the game for especially with an indie, you you guys all need to be excited about it. Like if mm-hmm. if I really pitched that and he had after two hours he really thought it was shit, it's like, all right, well, I'll come with something else. Yeah, yeah. I think I, you know, like I don't want anybody. I want everybody to feel exactly the same. Exactly. I mean, and sometimes you, you know, need to not force your hand when it comes to those. So like if you are sensing that maybe this is not going to work out, because if you demotivate them by giving them something. We're kind of force feeding them an idea or a mechanic that they are really right. not excited about. Then you're going to be both worse off if if they're not. Well, if yeah, if you're not willing to, you need to work in the game by yourself. Then yeah, exactly. And no, I mean yeah. really, if you're like, but I, but I'm working with Zach in this because I I expect his you know design opinions and programming stuff, so and we would like to like you, you want to see what comes out of the, the way we of- we have that recorded right. Yeah, exactly. I'll edit it. it. Thank you very much. Because he respects my design decisions and my program. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But from the other side of that, also from coming from somebody who maybe doesn't like the idea of changes, you can't just shut the other person down. You can't just be like, no, I don't like it. No, I don't like it. You have to you have to really sit there and kind of you have to explain why you don't like it and be constructive in in the conversation and not destructive. There we go. I was like, I couldn't figure that that word. Um, but you, you can't just be like, no, I don't like it. That that's it. Whatever. You have to be like, okay, well, this is why I don't like it. Let's try to figure out a different solution. Yeah, that's the secret I learned from being a graphic designer because people go, yeah. Have you tried red? I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, don't give me a change. <laughs> like, yeah, like even don't even give me that. Just. Tell me what you're feeling, that's right? True. And everyone has then I need to, that could last. Right? Yeah, because yeah, don't because then if you get into a like a we that's when you get into the situation where we talk about decisions evolve and they're not made and designed. Because mm-hmm. if you say, how about maybe if we put that in there? Like, hold on, no, let's just think about how this. If we don't like this, we should just throw it all out. You know, if we don't like Unity, let's throw it out and use Unreal. Like, you don't. You need to make a decision that makes sense at that time and not do it because that's the way the conversation is going. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah. So. I think it's good. So, yeah, it anyways, like yeah, check out. Are like, oh, let's go ahead. I just saying that for our last thing. Just check out anchorheadgames.com. In a couple of days, we should have that up, and hopefully, we'll start posting. 
our fun little the first demo Zach had was us. Our our character was not. This is not my artwork, but it was, no, it was yeah, yeah. a sumo wrestler and all the, the asset store. All the enemies were bears, and I, I was like, I kind of like that. That could be the whole theme right there: sumo versus bear, or whatever. But Hashtag yeah, so I love your logo. It looks pretty sexy. Where did you see it? Anchorheadgames.com. Oh yeah, it's just really huge right now. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's all messed up. All right, cool. Well, yeah, it sounds like you guys are making some insane progress. I, I, I think everyone's excited about you know checking out your dev blogs because dev blogs are amazing. Anyway, I, yeah. I know Eduardo wanted to uh, wrap us up with some of his updates, and he's I know he's doing a lot of stuff as he always is. <laughs> Building an empire, it's, Building it's an hard empire. work. Yeah, of course, you're gonna be a games. billionaire doing nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, well, since Andrew talked too much, I'm just going to say this really quick. Yeah. Um, no, in my in my uh, VR wizard fighting game, uh, everything is is going um, pretty well. Uh, actually, one of the uh, designers finished um, the first character already, um, and I have the hands to to try it in the uh, you know in the player view and you got new hands, bro? <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> and um, he's actually working in in the in the next one. Which is a female character, and it's looking amazing. I mean, I'm I'm super uh, happy to have um, these two, uh, you know, artists working with me, which are Justin and and Brent Morris, uh, co-workers, and and also oh, Justin Shane. Yang too. That's yeah, that's nice. Yeah. They're not married. They're not brothers <laughs> <laughs> or brothers. Oh, yeah. I guess. Yes. My bad. My bad. <laughs> so. Um, and on the development side, uh, I've been working on the AI with um, Chain, which is the other developer, Chain Grant. And we're just, you know, going through what parts of the um, AI uh, can be together with the um, logic and classes uh, that, that I have in the, in the player side. So he's working in the AI, I'm, I'm working in the player side. And... Uh, we talk to each other to see uh, what we have. So we're making good progress. I'm, I'm happy with that, with the project. Yeah, man, I we I definitely want to talk more about Eduardo's project. And I think we will. We're just going to, this is just, let's just say it's part one of many, of many in the <laughs> future. Said, hey, yeah, he, of, of many roundtables. Many yeah. roundtables of project progress. So, because I think there's a lot of, at least personally, I think there's a lot of wealth of knowledge in all of our projects. And they're all different projects too. So that's what I love about them. Different different ideas and different concepts. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll table that for another time uh, because we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we will talk again. <laughs> we, will, we will say words. <laughs> we will say words. All right, cool. And we're back. So... Again, that was our episode 70. It was Project Progress, Progress Update, or whatever we're going to eventually call we went it. To, we went to that going, this is going to be like a 10-minute episode, and been, it's over an hour now. Yeah. <laughs> because we just started, talk <laughs> about yourself. I was exactly. like, okay, thank you. <laughs> you get a bunch of people who love to ramble to talk about themselves. That's easy, like, easily an hour. But hopefully it's helpful for you know people that are working on their own thing and trying to get it started. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe, maybe like next time I'll try to focus it uh, on individual pieces of project progress because uh, maybe yeah. we'll get more out of it like you know versus you know communication versus motivation versus 
or even know. specific problems would be cool. Like we, I mean, yeah. we talked a little bit about like our generation oh, yeah, the thing, but like one. even going deeper into some of those, you know, because we're still the higher level systems right now, but we could probably dive into bigger, you know, deeper subjects later. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I agree. Cool. So yeah, next time again, like we said, we'll have another one in the future. Uh, but uh, Zach, could you explain what the lounge is all about? Sure. The debug lounges are Facebook group uh semi-exclusive so to get in there all you have to do is uh, sign up for our newsletter or you can send us a request on facebook and we'll give you access to that but in there we have a bunch of uh bunch of devs in the in the uh indie dev community and even some some big wigs are in there i think um but it's it's where people can go talk about the progress of their games if they have problems they can ask for help um and just just a generally cool place to to you know talk to some good game devs um eduardo how about the some patreon action how they can get uh, you know contribute to this excellent podcast i agree with you (laughs) perfect podcast i concur oh my goodness the podcast (laughs) yeah um if if you find uh value guys in in the podcast and you like it and uh you would like to help us out just go to patreon.com slash the debug log and uh just make a pledge it doesn't matter how much it is, we're going to appreciate it a lot. So, but we will appreciate it. if it's a million dollars. I mean, yeah. we really will appreciate that. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, we I'll appreciate the hell out of that. I'm just saying. And we also value if you can't afford to give money and you don't do that and you just want to listen to it, we value too. But I mean, again, if you want to give a million dollars, yes, those are really. We don't valued. mean to be biased, but uh, it's hard to not to. So. <laughs> Cool. Well, anyway, uh, with that said, you can find me on Twitter at Obeans, that's O with an H, Beans with a Z. I'm at Andrew underscore Curry, that's C-U-R-R-I-E. I'm at WookieJumper42. And I'm at Eduardo CF1989. Tell him, Zach, you, Zach just got a new car, Jeep. tell him what your license plate is. It, it's going to say Wookie. Wookie. <laughs> Wookie. I was so surprised it wasn't taken. Hey. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get out of here. Right, we'll see um, you later. See you guys. Time.